Okay, good morning. Thank you for being here. Today is class 10 in the reading of Zhongzi, and um, today is uh, Wednesday, April 28, here in Taiwan. Uh, cloudy, as usual, but um, the earthquakes seem to have subsided for the time being, so that's pleasant. Uh, today, <clears throat> we're going to go through chapter 3, the totality of it. And <clears throat> here, there's no translation from the A.C. Muller group. Uh, from here on out, we'll stay with the um, Burton Watson version. And this is a short chapter. Uh, one of Burton Watson's notes is, uh, note number one to the chapter right after the title is, quote, the chapter is very brief and would appear to be mutilated. Mutilated is a rough word. Um, it appears to be um, composited or um, much is lost or some issue with its uh, continuity. What we've really got here as a short chapter three is uh, a preface and three stories. The preface is about knowledge and um, the previous format, <clears throat> like I said previously, about other chapters one and two, where you've got epistemological questions and statements, and then spiritual guidance uh, statements about how to move from the ordinary mind um, to the sagely, comments about the sage or the sagely way. And so the epistemological um, <clears throat> uh, portion in the past was uh, the ordinary mind and the sagely mind, questions about knowledge and uh, certainty, and uh, then at the end of many of the, the paragraphs of previous chapters, Burton Watson, you know, which his, his style would show that at the end of the paragraph is some uh, guidance, some spiritual guidance. So questions and statements about knowing and knowledge and certainty and belief and correctness and duality, polarity of right and wrong and true and false. Uh, is there really true and false? Is there really right and wrong? Well, yes, there is. And yet there's a higher integration and uh, of right and wrong or true and false um, that takes into account relative truth and an absolute view, absolute truth level, where um, right and wrong is relatively true, but absolutely untrue, or false, or deficient in moving, in, in living a sagely life, in living a, a, a well life. And so then you go to the spiritual guidance and the comments on the sage, the mind of the sage, Jenren. And here, uh, only the prologue to the chapter, uh, section three, chapter three, is about knowledge. After that, we have three stories. Uh, the first is about uh, Kuk Ting, cutting, cutting up an ox for Lord Wenhui. Then, a story about uh, Kong Wen Xuan, Xuan seeing the commander of the right, like a general or a military person. And the third is um, uh, Qin Shi um, at Lao Tan's funeral. Lao Tan is Lao Tzu. So there are many names 
uh, old traditions like um, Hindu, Brahmanical, uh, Vedantic, and um, Chinese philosophical, uh, Chinese culture, they have many names for the same person or thing. Uh, and that's <laughs> cultures kind of um, being quite exuberant in their uh, naming, naming activity. So there's Lao Tzu, who's also here called Lao Tan. And so the third story is about um, a, a Taoist sage going to mourn, going to his funeral. And so three stories and a prologue. And the prologue is the only one that's about epistemology or about knowledge and then sagely guide, sagely way guidance. And the other three stories, by the story, give some guidance. And you'll see also each one. So what I'd like to do is read the entirety of chapter 3 first and go through the footnotes as needed and then uh, explain the four portions, the prologue and then the three stories. And so <clears throat> uh, I'll, I'll read it through first and then come back to the top and give some commentary. Possibly we'll finish this chapter today and um, explain the footnotes, which are just a few, um, as I do the review uh, of the major passages. So, Zhongzi, Chapter 3, translated by Burton Watson as The Secret of Caring for Life. First paragraph, again, which is the prologue. Your life has a limit, and this is against, is basically against excessive attachment to knowledge and seeking understanding or thinking. Your life has a limit, but knowledge has none. If you use what is limited to pursue what has no limit, you will be in danger. If you understand this and still strive for knowledge, you'll be in danger for certain. If you do good, stay away from fame. If you do evil, stay away from punishments. Follow the middle, go by what is constant, and you can stay in one piece, keep yourself alive, look after your parents, and live out your years. Then we have the first story. Kuk Ting was cutting up an ox for Lord Wenhui. At every touch of his hand, every heave of his shoulder, every move of his feet, every thrust of his knee, zip, zoop, he slithered the, life, the knife along with a zing, and all was in perfect, perfect rhythm, as though he were performing the dance of the Mulberry Grove or keeping time to the Ching Shou music. Ah, this is marvelous, said Lord Wenhui. Imagine skill reaching such heights. Kuk Ting laid down the knife and replied, quote, What I care about is the Tao, what goes beyond skill. When I first began cutting up oxen, all I could see was the ox itself. After three years, I no longer saw the whole ox, and now, now I go at it by spirit and don't look with my eyes. Perception and understanding have come to a stop, and spirit moves where it wants. I go along with the natural makeup, strike in the big hollows, guide the knife through the big openings, and follow things as they are. So I never touch the smallest ligament or tendon, much less a main joint. Touch meaning uh, have to cut through. 
quote, he goes on, a good cook changes his knife once a year because he cuts. A mediocre cut or mediocre cook changes his knife once a month because he hacks. I've had this knife of mine for 19 years, and I've cut up thousands of oxen with it, and yet the blade is as good as though it had just come from the grindstone. There are spaces between the joints, and the blade of the knife has really no thickness. If you insert what has no thickness into such spaces, then there's plenty of room, more than enough for the blade to play about it. That's why, after 19 years, the blade of my knife is still as good as when it first came from the grindstone. However, whenever I come to a complicated place, I size up the difficulties, tell myself to watch out and be careful, keep my eyes on what I'm doing, work very slowly, and move the knife with the greatest subtlety, until, plop, the whole thing comes apart like a clod of earth crumbling to the ground. I stand there holding the knife and look all around me, completely satisfied and reluctant to move on, and then I wipe off the knife and put it away. Excellent, said Lord Wenhui. I have heard the words of Kuk Ting and learned how to care for life. That ends story one. Going on, when Kong Wen Xuan saw the commander of the right, he was startled and said, What kind of man is this? How did he come to be footless? I mean, he had one foot or no foot. Was it heaven or was it man? <clears throat> and the commander replies, It was heaven, not man, said the commander, even though it might have been a punishment, and he lost his foot. When heaven, and that was uh, the note here, five, is um, <clears throat> probably the ex-commander of the right, as he had been punished by having one foot amputated, a common penalty in ancient China, it is mutilating punishments such as these that Zhongsa has in mind when he talks about the need to, quote, stay in one piece. So they had an interesting culture then, uh, lots of ritual and sacrifice to the gods, but they also had some pretty brutal punishments, like cut off your foot. <clears throat> no need to go into jail, I guess, after they cut the foot off. So he was the ex-commander of the right, perhaps. And... Uh, Kong Wen Chuan asked, was it heaven or was it man? It was heaven, not man, said the commander. When heaven gave me life, it saw to it that I would be one-footed. Men's looks, and this is, again, I think it means not born that way, but to be eventually one-footed was of heaven from his view. When heaven gave me life, it saw to it that I would be one-footed. Men's looks are given to them. <clears throat> so I know this was the work of heaven and not of man. The swamp pheasant has to walk ten paces for one peck and a hundred paces for one drink, but it doesn't want to be kept in a cage. Though you treat it like a king, its spirit won't be content. And that's the second story, <laughs> which I'll explain later. <clears throat> Third story going on. When Lao Tan Lao Tzu died, Qin Shi went to mourn for him. But after giving three cries, he left the room. Weren't you a friend of the master? asked Lao Tzu's disciples. Yes. And you think it's all right to mourn him this way? Three cries and leaving the room, that's considered super rude <clears throat> and incorrect mourning procedure, mourning uh, ritual or, or um, behavior. 
And you think it's all right to mourn him this way? Yes, said Tinsher. At first I took him for a real man, but now I know he wasn't. A little while ago, when I went in to mourn, I found old men weeping for him as though they were weeping for a son, and young men weeping for him as though they were weeping for a mother. To have gathered a group like that, he must have done something to make them talk about him, though he didn't ask them to talk, or make them weep for him, though he didn't ask them to weep. This is to hide from heaven. It's criticism. This is to hide from heaven. Turn your back on the true state of affairs and forget what you were born with. It means he didn't teach them properly. In the old days, this was called the crime of hiding from heaven. Your master happened, and then here comes the, the philosophy guidance at the end. Your master happened to come because it was his time, and he happened to leave because things follow along. If you are content with the time and willing to follow along, then grief and joy have no Tao to enter in. In the old days, this was called being freed from the bonds of God. And there's a final quote here, which has been disputed, the, the translation. Though the grease burns out of the torch, the fire passes on, and no one knows where it ends. <laughs> Chinese philosophy is very subtle and deep, uh, and... Um, there are many phrases like that. So let me start from the top. Your life has a limit, but knowledge has none. If you use what's limited, meaning your life, to pursue what has no limit, meaning knowledge, which in this case means facts and figures, very much like Ra's talk of transient information, very much like Nityananda talking about manasic function versus buddhi, the, the manasic functions of mind, seeing the self in the world, not seeing the world in the self seeing the self in the world, I am here, and the world is out there, and I'm walking around in that world out there, versus seeing the world in the self, or that all that I see is I, but not the conscious, you know, beyond the conscious mind, and beyond psychosis, of course. Uh, not with that, not, not buddhi, but manasic, not wisdom and principles, but knowledge. Not... Um, that which you will take with you, but concerning your mind, your life, your efforts towards merely only uh, transient information, uh, that which is socially useful but not metaphysically um, important, you know. And so, from session one in the raw material, they said right off the bat, we not only uh, we, we seek to give you another slant on the same information, on the information that's been ever, ever, and always the same. Something like that. And uh, I don't know if it was the first session or later that they say they saw their role as not simply providing information, but providing their sense of proper weighting to the information, meaning some information is rightly weighted more important than others, than other portions of information, other information. And so wisdom is more important than facts and figures, transit information, knowledge. <clears throat> There's transient information, not facts and figures, monastic mind function. That you cannot take with you or you don't care. It just doesn't matter on the other side. It's unimportant. And then there's that which does matter because you do take it with you in terms of uh, deep learning, in terms of wisdom, in terms of understanding principles of balance, principles of um, love and wisdom, principles of green, blue, indigo, principles of meeting catalyst, 
with um, heart and uh, mind and higher uh, qualities, um, the buddhic qualities, really, you know, understanding what, what buddhi or, uh, is, the higher mind that can determine patterns. Well, we have a lot of... <laughs> I'm looking at two geckos on my wall right now, and uh, there was a third before, so it's a gecko movement day. So uh, studying about geckos... Uh, might be fascinating, like like uh, uh, British uh, botanists of the 19th century collecting butterflies. Well, it's a, if you want to take a, a for a vacation lifetime, that's okay for some fifth density, sixth density wanderers. Um, but that's just uh, rebalancing from, from some previously traumatic lifetimes, and ultimately, if if the person can come to universal principles by studying the particular, that's useful. But here, like, like we saw before with all the arguments that Zhongzi was uh, addressing, the arguments of the logicians, the Moists, and the Confucians, the legalists, people getting caught up in the thicket of views, people getting caught up in their mind, overthinking. And so, your life has a limit, but the monkey mind does not. <laughs> Uh, your soul has a purpose, but the monkey mind doesn't know it, won't know it, can't know it. And so if you use what is limited to pursue what has no limit, you'll be in danger. Meaning if you use your limited time and life and energy uh, to pursue the trivial, um, you're, you'll be in danger. Yeah, absolutely. And um, more so if you're seeking name and fame and gain and power and control. Uh, you will be in danger because you will <laughs> possibly uh, fall into all sorts of immorality in the pursuit of your desires. Uh, if you understand this and still strive for knowledge, you'll be in danger for certain. And so uh, there's greater danger for those that know and willfully reject what they know to be higher. Like, you know, I mean, we've all done that. It's like, I know what the right thing is and I didn't do it anyway. I know what I should have done or I had the inspiration and I rejected it anyway. We do that because we want to fulfill something. That's a big problem. Danger for certain. And so uh, life has a limit uh, and to pursue what is... Um, here he said, you know, if you use your you use your life that's limited to pursue what has no limit, and he's in this case meaning knowledge, or facts and figures, transient information, that's a problem. I personally have a problem with this strain uh, line of teaching in Taoism, because actually we are using our limited incarnation, time, attention, energy, to pursue spiritual growth, which is unlimited. Should we not? Because it has no limit? No. Uh, because there is, you know, this was a certain time in Chinese history when Zhuangzi was writing. And in many ways, uh, it was very wise to keep your head down and stay out of trouble because you might lose your foot or worse. And so <clears throat> uh, there's a, I think it's a Taoist sage, when the Tao is in the world, the superior man prospers. When the Tao is not in the world, meaning not in society, the superior man survives. And so, like then, now too, um, the Tao is 
Not much in human society. Uh, everywhere we see tyranny growing, I say it. And so this is a time to, uh, you know, be careful. Do whatever you want, but it's wise to be careful. <laughs> Do whatever you want, and it's wise to be careful. So <clears throat> figure that out yourself. Uh, so there is a overly uh, protectionist, self-protective, or defensive tone or um, cover or, or tendency in uh, Chongzi that to me, you know, obviously con- conflicts the view of uh, the, the merits of service and the merits of uh, martyrdom or self-sacrifice sometimes. That's, this is not a self-sacrificing service to other martyrdom-based teaching. Definitely not. And sometimes those ways are useful. <clears throat> uh, but this teaching is also useful. <laughs> and so we have to make the balance between uh, when we disregard danger uh, because we're acting under some sense of um, principle, um, self-sacrificing service um, with no limit, then uh, we have to be careful when we know what's right, but we do we go against it anyway, uh, that we will get into trouble, or we likely will get into serious trouble. Or getting over-concerned with the unimportant. <clears throat> Meaning, um, the more you spend with what's unimportant, um, the less we will be able to recognize what really is important and be prepared to handle it. And so that's what you see it. That's what I see happening today also. Lots of people who spent lots of years uh, with their head in the, in the sand or uh, following trivial pursuits, worldly, worldly circular ways that don't mean much or help much, finding that the party's over. And they thought this was, um, you know, planet Hollywood, but it's not. And um, they have to sober up fast because the boat is sinking. And so... But this, you know, what I consider a bit overly defensive um, Chinese moral philosophy has huge benefit and value too, because sometimes we we ought to be this way. Absolutely. So his final statement, the guidance in the first, uh, in the prologue here is, if you do good, stay away from fame. Uh, Similar to, uh, if you see somebody that has worldly power, stay away. And then, if you do evil, stay away from punishments. Yeah, that's what the the leaders have been doing for many lifetimes. Follow the middle. Go by what is constant. And you can stay in one piece, keep yourself alive, look after your parents, and live out your years. So, looking after your parents and service to the family was appreciated here. It's not that selfish. Follow the middle means don't be extreme. You got to find out your, what that means for yourself. Go by what is constant, um, what is of principle and of wisdom, rather than um, what is of sentiment and um, trivial pr- preference. You know, there's preference that associates with principle. There's preference that does not. If my preference is to have a friend that doesn't curse at me, <laughs> it's associated with the principle. Um, I'm not going to let myself be abused in my service to other, or I'm not going to 
um, be sentimental um, remaining in relationship with someone who's abusive because that's self-betrayal. Okay? <laughs> Things like that. <clears throat> but you got to figure out, you know, and, and again, like I talked with Christine during the interview. She said, what should we do? What can we do? Everybody keeps asking, what can I do? Probably it's been answered a thousand times. Uh, what do you mean follow the middle, go by what is constant? Ask yourself. <laughs> Ask yourself and you'll get much better answers than, than what I can give you. So keep yourself alive, look after your parents and live out your years and um, don't uh, put yourself in harm's way. Stay out of harm's way. But these days, um, there's some very hard choices we have to make. So that's the prologue. Then we have chapter or story one about Kuk Ting. This is the famous uh, butcher Ting or Kok Ting. <clears throat> uh, cutting an ox for Lord Wenhui, um, who is, you know, the Taoist butcher, uh, cook, who just, you know, he's a cook who just happens to cut the meat that he's using. Okay. Uh, he said, what I care about is the Tao. And that goes beyond skill. And that's a very important point. And he's saying, you know, when he first caught up ox, uh, meat, beef, neuro, all he could see was it. He could only see the physical. Then he um, could see uh, the detail. He didn't see the whole ox, or he saw not only the physical, um, we don't know what it means, the whole ox, the complete. It may actually be, I no longer saw only the physical. And now, he said, he goes at it by spirit. Don't look with his eyes, right? So it's not a, it's not a physical uh, procedure, or it's a physical procedure guided by higher senses. And yes, there are all sorts of different levels of that. <clears throat> there's, you know, telepathy, or there's seeing the energy fields, um, and then there's just a more subtle knowing of where the space is. It's like if you're cutting a chicken leg, you know, or you buy chicken wing or leg, and you want to cut the joint, cut, you know, between uh, at the joint between the bone. Uh, <laughs> do you see it or do you miss it? I mean, commonly I miss it, but sometimes I see it. And so. Um, when when work needs to be done, it can be done purely by skill. Uh, but at a greater level of development, in accord with you know the teaching here, at a greater level of spiritual development, um, one is guided by a higher uh, higher senses, by a subtle, a more subtle knowing, by the buddhic rather than the monastic, by principle rather than just. Uh, facts and figures and uh, one accords you know to accord one's life with heaven is also part of what's going on here the Jinren <clears throat> also called the upside down concealed eye person um, sees the hidden and is upside down because uh, they're using the subtle in the gross they're using the mind of time space the deep mind here in space time what is higher and outer or higher of, of higher dimensional is brought down to the mind. Oh, there are two of them running after each other. This is a gecko mating season or a gecko playtime. Uh, so what is normally higher has been brought into so-called the lower. 
right? The, the energetics of six chakra, particularly, or six and seven, contact with intelligent infinity, access to intelligent energy, six chakra, seven chakra, and the link, is brought more fully down into mind. And, and that's tasted by the activation of green-blue. Green-blue, you know, heart, heart and um, wisdom, uh, buddhi as heart-knowing, or buddhi as wisdom, um, green ray as unconditional acceptance, uh, a willingness, <laughs> they're running around here, uh, a willingness um, to not interfere with what is and accept what is, not, not interfering, not, not damaging what is, and not making too much of what um, is not needed to uh, be amplified. It's a certain kind of peace. Just the green ray, you know, the operation of green ray as a somewhat spiritualized mind, bringing the spirit qualities of sixth chakra into fourth chakra, or fourth fifth chakra, or to mind spirit into mind, uh, makes use of a of a greater knowing uh, that what is recognizing uh, life as it is is very important. And so another term for, for tat is sat. And so tatata or um, tathagata in Buddhism means this. It's a busy day. <clears throat> is a, is uh, the thus come one, such come one. Uh, tathagata, tatata in Buddhism. Tathataga, tathagata. Um, is actually suchness or as it isness. Um, the thus come one, the one who just is as it as he is, Gautama, uh, as another term for sat, or truth, or reality. And that's very much sensed by six chakra activation. And that's very much the basis of green ray itself. Green ray, which is a willingness to accept what is, rather than interfering, or interrupting, or manipulating, or controlling, obviously. And that's very much where these guys are coming from here. They're not really thinking, they're acting, at least Kok Ting is, is saying, um, perception and understanding have come to a stop, and spirit moves where it wants. Perception and understanding can also be called the third and fourth skandhas, perception and sankara. In this case, understanding, you know, you'd have to find the original Chinese, and that's a big job. Perception and understanding have, se- have ceased. The cessation of perception... And and samskara, hmm? quiet mind, sure, equanimity, sure. You know, in in complete and perfect enlightenment, on the other side of the, uh, the octave, Gautama said, there is the the complete final cessation of perception and consciousness, subjective consciousness. And so, consciousness born of of, of avidya is not what we are. What what I is is the source of consciousness. And consciousness and perception are said to end for the one that's complete and perfect enlightened. And that's akin to here at a little bit lower level, he's saying perception and understanding have come to a stop. Perception and um, unneeded thinking have come to a stop. I would say that actually uh, physical perception is um, stopped or much reduced, the visual and kinesthetic, you know, when he's holding the piece of meat, the ox, 
uh, yeah, he's, he's visually looking at it, I think, and kinesthetically touching it, yeah. But that doesn't guide, that's not guiding his, um, his cutting. What's guiding his cutting is a sensing um, by spirit, by intuition, by feeling the energetics, actually, uh, where there's an empty space to guide the knife through the big openings and follow things as they are. So follow things as they are is also accept things as they are, which is, again, the influence of sixth ray (laughs) uh, awareness of non-duality in fourth ray mind, or mind guided by fourth ray love acceptance. Follow things as they are comes from a sense that you can't do better. (laughs) We can't do better. At least we have to start with where, where we are, what life is. And um, we can do whatever we want, but um, better to d- make your decisions after <laughs> um, accepting and knowing how things really are as they are, as it is now. Not, not manipulating and not uh, distorting what is by uh, intellectual overlay or misinterpretation. And then to follow things as they are, he's not totally following things as they are. He's cutting uh, a piece of meat, you know? And so... He has his uh, sense of his dharma or his job. So he's not totally doing nothing, but he's not doing everything. But the way he's doing it is he's operating just like the Jun Ren. He's operating in the physical world uh, with predominant reliance on, sp- on the spiritual uh, qualities of mind. So he's depending on spirit to live in the physical. That's the upside down Jun Ren. And... Um, the higher is my means of communicating with the lower. Higher meaning green, blue, indigo is the way of communicating with the lower triad, the world of uh, third density world. And there is higher and lower, but that doesn't mean better and worse. I hope everybody's finished with that silliness already. But, yeah, if you can't develop the higher, you will stay in the lower. And although all is one, some people go to hell. (laughs) And some people go to heaven. Hmm. So all is one, but if you don't want pain, which I presume people don't want, then you probably ought to know the way of uh, the higher or what's to our long-term welfare and benefit. So he said, um, he's cut up thousands of oxen, yet the blade is as good as though it came from the grindstone. Um, The point is the blade has no thickness. If you insert what has no thickness into space that has no thickness, There's plenty of room, more than enough. Uh, And that's, you know, I can't explain this perfectly because I'm not uh, some perfect Taoist sage either. But um, self is emptiness (laughs) to some degree. Self or I, you know, see, identity is is a delusion. That's why it's dropped after the sixth density. That's why conceit is the eighth fetter that's broken. It's breakable because it's an illusory uh, overlay. Uh, subjective uh, thought-based ego sense of self. So actually, self beyond identity is totality, essentially. In time and space or at our own level of development, we don't live that. Um, But that's what I is, essentially. right? That's why we can finish the octave and return to the source of light, because that's what I is and has always been the source of light. 
but uh, uh, to get from here to there, um, there's uh, there's a lot of transformation required, and here he's saying uh, the blade doesn't have thickness. Essentially, um, the the edge goes to zero, doesn't it? Or does it start at the tiny, tiny? How tiny is the ultimate edge? There's a little, you know, what is that there? But surely it's so small that it can get into a, a, a space, into space. It can go through space. And um, there's some kind of um, line of least resistance to upward spiraling. Upward spiraling light is the way life is, or the nature of light. It's upward spiraling. And that means that actually the tendency of existence is evolution. <laughs> it's inbuilt uh, into the substrate of matter itself, the substrate of matter being light or energy fields made out of light. That substrate, uh, the phenomenal substrate, substratum of phenomena, is upward spiraling. What does it mean? It means somehow tending towards its source, returning to its source. It's sort of ever... I mean, that's the basis of vibration, you know? The, the vibration is a manifestation of light being ever upward spiraling. And that means that, you know, all things tend towards God in a certain way that I can't fully explain and don't fully understand. And um, there is a very smooth way of living life. I mean, the, the saying, uh, ride the horse in the direction he's going. Um, a friend of mine told me that long, long ago. And whether that comes from a Hindu guru or from Taoism, I don't know. But it's pretty close. Uh, meanwhile, sometimes we have to take a stand and say no. And uh, pay, the cost, pay the cost and suffer the consequences, of course. So, uh, and that's where we possibly come, or there's, that, there's something related to that in the final uh, teaching of Kuk Ting, he said, however, when I come to a complicated place, I size up the difficulties. There are difficulties. Yeah, okay. The, the Taoist is not a hippie. You know, the Taoist is not a hippie, actually. And hippies who think they are Taoists are usually self-deluded because these guys are very smart and very serious and very willing to think and talk and discuss and debate or at least share very intellectually. <laughs> hippies have some real problem because they're commonly anti-intellectual and uh, it hides their mental deficiencies commonly. And so, um, you know, <laughs> whatever you want to know, you can. You just have to use your equipment if you want to use it well. So when it comes to a complicated place, yes, there are some places that are complicated, not simple. I size up difficulty. Yes, there are some difficulties in life, obviously. This all is one doesn't mean there is no differentiation. There is differentiation. That's what he was saying before. There is right and wrong. There is a difference between human speak speech and the sound of hollows in the forest. Yeah, there is. And yet, there's also a similarity. And there's also uh, an integration or synthesis that goes way beyond differentiation. So, complicated place with real difficulties. He's got to watch out and be careful. More careful than normal. Maybe he's never careful. If he's uh, flowing so well in Tao, he's never careful, but now he has to be careful. So <laughs> that's another teaching. 
He keeps his eyes on it, works slowly, moves the knife with subtlety or care until the whole thing comes apart. And he's satisfied and he wipes off the knife and puts it away. And so Wen Hui says, wow, I heard the words of Kuk Ting and learned how to care for life. So there is easy and difficult. There are times that are difficult and we need to go slower. And uh, there are um, uh, options and opportunities in, intrinsic to the situation that we probably don't see. There's a benefit to all sorts of things. There's a plus and a minus in all um, catalysts. There's a value in hardship. And there's a pain in pleasure. There's a dukkha in the sukkha and the sukkha in the dukkha. There, absolutely. And so I was having a session with somebody yesterday, and she was saying, well, you know, all circumstances have positive and negative that's sort of equal. And I said, yes and no. All circumstances or options have have op- have benefits and disadvantages, but there's a different set and mix of benefits and disadvantages in all the situations or choices or options. So there's a plus and a minus to all the options, to all phenomenal, you know, all, all, all situations we may be in or have to choose from or choose to get into. But the mix of plus and minus is different in each one and changes over time and more or less better or worse accords with satisfaction of core needs. So the mix of, uh, of black and white marbles here, the mix of black and white marbles there, or sukha and dukkha in this one or that situation, that particular, each unique mix may, will uh, be more or less in fulfillment or satisfaction of core needs. And so you've got to know your core needs. Uh, some places, some, in, in some areas, the black marbles or the disadvantages are not a problem at all because it's a minor matter. On other cases, certain deficiencies are game breakers. And that's it. Sorry, I can't compromise on that, on that matter. And even though there are other positives here, the negatives outweigh because the nature of the negatives um, are, are such as to um, make it impossible for the, the, the satisfaction of certain core needs are impossible given these disadvantages. And in other cases, the satisfaction of core needs is available and therefore, I can make peace with the disadvantages or the, the black marbles. And so, this is um, very important. <laughs> and um, uh, there's no... It, it, a careful approach to life is very important, is very helpful. And so, how to care for life. Sometimes we have to be careful, sometimes not. Uh, and yet, there is the, a, a way of navigating life th- with intuition with um, um, spiritual integrity in the sense of um, listening to your heart, listening to soul. But it's not just your feeling, because sometimes feeling is bad in the way that is right. Sometimes what's right feels bad, and sometimes not. Sometimes it felt terrible, or I was in hell, um, but now I, but it's absolutely for, for the best. It was great that this terrible thing happened, even though then it was terrible, or I still feel it's terrible, but actually the outcome was great, or it was for a higher purpose. And so 
being careful <laughs> and being um, prioritizing knowing is very important. <laughs> Not many people really do that. So then the next story, uh, Kong Wen Shuan seeing the commander of the right military fellow with one foot. What kind of man? How did it happen? Was it heaven? Was it man? Was he born that way? Or was it the result of battle or punishment? I guess, <clears throat> presuming that uh, generally they knew that foot amputation was a normal punishment, that anybody seen with, a, with one foot probably had been punished that way, he would then know it wasn't congenital by birth. But he might have wondered. And so what's, what's the, the, re, the reframing here is that <clears throat> it was done by man as punishment and understood by the commander as done by heaven. That man did it was by heaven's decree. Heaven let it happen or it was in accord with heaven that man did it to him as punishment for whatever. <clears throat> and so he's saying, you know, it's like saying God, God runs everything. Uh, it's all done by God. And that there's truth to that. But that's not the whole story. When heaven gave me life, it sought to it, I'd be one-footed. So he's saying, it's of my heavenly fate, my destiny, that I'm in this condition now, punish my man this way, to be this way. Men's looks are given to them. I mean, there's no, there's no discussion here about you create your own reality. And so, again, there's certain deficiencies in, in all teachings, I'd say. And maybe I'm wrong, or this is just my opinion. You may think differently. But... Uh, just because uh, a great being said it doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> and so just because Zhongzi has written it doesn't mean he understands 360 degrees of anything, of everything, of course, nor I. So when they say men's looks are given to them like it's the work of heaven, not of man, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> men's looks or appearance or face and body is the result of the karmic stream. One gets the face and the body one deserves, one has made. You know, one's born with the face one deserves and makes the face uh, one deserves through the uh, body, you know, speech, thought, word, and deed during the lifetime. <clears throat> he said, it's the work of heaven, not of man, not of me. But he is accepting fate. And so that's, that's the statement here, is that there's a higher justice in um, associated with human injustice. <laughs> That's a useful teaching for today. Um, and, you know, you got to wrestle with that yourself. That seems to be the view here that uh, human uh, punishment, which seems excessive <clears throat> or unjust, unjust, is understood by the Taoist as being he heavenly and just. <clears throat> and, and therefore... He's not, <clears throat> excuse me, he's not um, living in, <clears throat> uh, in, in grief at his fate. And so, uh, in, in some sense, you can say, you can, you can put the karmic flow, <clears throat> excuse me, um, replace the law of karma or karmic, uh, karmic law for the phrase work of heaven. The work of heaven is, karm is 
follows by or, or is <laughs> within the work of heaven, whatever that means, is karmic law. And karmic law is uh, cause and effect and, you know, people, uh, people's body and face and looks and life, deter- life conditions are made by uh, thought, word, and deed, our own. Beings are the inheritors of their karma. As Gautama said, the authors and the heirs to their karmic stream. So <clears throat> that's a different view than this, this view. Uh, but there's an interesting final line here, or, or final phrase that he's giving. The swamp pheasant has to walk ten paces for one peck of food, and a hundred paces for a drink of water, but it doesn't want to be kept in a cage, though you treat it like a king in a cage, its spirit won't be content. What does that have to do with him considering that the human punishment of losing his foot was the work of heaven that he accepts? I don't know. <laughs> but <clears throat> maybe he is akin to the swamp pheasant or the Jenren and the Taoist is. They'd rather make greater effort than lose autonomy. And so they'd, I, I'd rather be poor in a hovel and free, and that free means autonomous, uh, free, free in my movement, in my life expression. I'd rather be poor <clears throat> and free than wealthy treated like a king in a cage. And so the Taoist strongly doesn't want to be caged. I was just reading Kagavisana Sutta uh, from Sutta Nepata. I guess, maybe not Sutta, I'm not sure, if, I guess it's Sutta Nepata in the Pali Canon yesterday again. And it's the same kind of um, teaching. Uh, Better to be uh, alone and even lonely uh, and even suffering challenge in solitude than be tied to those that bring us down or uh, unreasonably demand uh, from us. All sorts of action today. That's a dog taking a bath in a pond outside. So, <clears throat> noise comes in uh, bunches like grapes. So, n- now, that he accepts that his foot was lost by punishment of man and sees it as the work of heaven. Uh, seeing it as the work of heaven is content is is comparable to the pheasant that um willingly accepts hardship uh, as the price for autonomy and freedom <laughs> out of the connect i'm not quite sure but um that's why maybe he said the chapter looks mutilated and mixed up together this is definitely a phrase uh, or, or a local <laughs> saying of the time i'd say that the the pheasant has to walk far for a peck and um, even further for a drink, but it'd rather do that than be kept in a cage. Even if you treat it like a king, it can't be content. Um, I'm not sure these two get together. They may not. They may be actually composited, the two portions of this story. But um, certainly the Jinren sees the work of heaven in the doings of man sees the metaphysical purpose in the human um, activity, which may be of evil and injustice. So then there's a saying, even the devil works for God, my saying. And 
um, you know, you can see dukkha or heart, uh, challenging catalyst, traumatic catalyst, painful catalyst, the catalyst of loss and pain and blame and dishonor, right? Four of the eight worldly winds. Those dukkha winds uh, can all be seen as a painful, cha- challenging catalyst. That can be seen as the work of heaven or the out picturing of karmic law and serving a higher purpose even though it's painful and and we suffer more in the experience but there's also a higher purpose there too <clears throat> that that is the buddhi controlling manas buddhi as the king and manas as the minister in the sense that uh i i do feel pain and i'd rather not have loss and dishonor uh but uh, I do see how I created it, and therefore it could be divinely just or universally just. It's uh, in accord with principle. You create your own reality, karmic stream, and um, by my by uh, right reaction, by right response. If I can, to the degree that I make a right response or meet this pain, painful catalyst. Uh, with uh, love wisdom, efficient use of catalyst, with acceptance and understanding and uh, comprehension and forgiveness and moving to balance, moving to peace through that processing, then I have fulfilled its higher purpose um, to some degree. That's a great thing. Um, But the Taoists certainly... Um, values freedom and autonomy above most everything. They are not self-sacrificers, even though they do want to take care of their parents, or so it seems. So, <laughs> let me see how the time is here. Alright, I'm going to try to finish the last story in, of the chapter. And here, it's, it's actually pretty straightforward. Um, Lao Tan Lao Tzu dies, the story, it's I'm sure it's fiction, Jin Shi goes to mourn, not Qin Shi Huangdi, an earlier Qin Shi, gives three cries like Lin Shi would and leaves the room. <laughs> and everybody thinks, how rude and uh, what a bore to come in to his friend and then give three cries and leave. Three cries is like three shouts, actually. Ha, ha, ha. And he leaves or something. I'm sure he's not laughing. And everybody is uh, outraged or horrified um, how, what, what impropriety, what importunity. And then he, they, his answer is, uh, the question is, you think it's all right to mourn that way? And he said, yes. And so here you've got a couple of things. You've got like a criticism of Lao Tan and a criticism of the group. And then um, uh, a little bit of elevation of himself above Lao Tan, which is a little... <laughs> veiled criticism from Chuangzu of Lao Tzu. But this is a silly talk, you know. These guys just did this kind of thing. And there's a very common, it's very common that they put words in uh, others' others' mouths and said, he said this and he said that. Um, it's an old literary device in uh, Chinese uh, storytelling as well as um, governance or, or uh, bureaucracy and, and uh, teaching philosophy. Meaning, 
today's teacher, I write a book and said, Gautama said, uh, you know, all things are proper in the proper time. Uh, desires are correct or something. So you're putting words in somebody else's mouth uh, in your own publication <laughs> to, to cover your ass and say, I didn't say it, he said it. but I, And then now I'll be teaching it. But actually he didn't say it, you put it into his mouth. So that there's a little of that going on here. Uh, and was there some competition from Chongzi against Lao Tzu? Maybe not, really. It's just the, the way they do this, the way they write some of these stories. So he, he first says, At first I took him, Lao Tan, for a real man, but now I know he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't. A real man could be Junren. A little while ago, when I went to mourn, he found one. What did he find? Old men weeping as though he were, they were weeping for a son. Young men weeping as though they were weeping for a mother. That's considered um, <clears throat> a sign of, um, uh, of a lack of development, of, of undeveloped uh, lack of spiritual development. In, in this his view. I said to have gathered a group like that, he must have done something to make them talk about him Though he didn't ask them to do it, but he did something. Even if he didn't ask, so even if you didn't ask me to say it, you did something that makes me say it. <laughs> eh? Now that that's the view. I don't know if that's really correct, but it's just a convoluted story. He must have done something to make them talk about him, though he didn't ask them to do so or talk. He must have made them weep for him, though he didn't ask them to weep. Meaning, uh, he was not a good teacher. <laughs> And even if he didn't ask them to weep and uh, talk about him, meaning to regret his death, he made that happen, so goes this view, and that was his fault, or that indicated that he wasn't Jenren, because he hadn't properly taught them <clears throat> um, the um, emptiness of life, or um, the, tra- the, the welcoming of, of impermanence, the dreamlike nature of uh, of existence, the dreamlike nature of this incarnation, and proper detachment, proper um, indifference and apathy, <laughs> proper detachment, uh, emotional detachment from birth and death. And so he hadn't taught them properly, so they were weeping and talking about him. And even if he didn't ask them to do so, he must have done something wrong and must have done done something to make them that way, which indicated his uh, immaturity or his uh, lack of teaching, or that he wasn't Jenren. Yeah. Okay. Then that's called hiding from heaven, turning your back on the true state. Of, I mean, so it's really like super harsh criticism of Lao Tzu, which is completely fictional. This is to hide from heaven, turn your back on the true state of affairs, and forget what you're born with. In the old days, this was called the crime of hiding from heaven. And so it was a crime. Uh, And then he, at the end, gives his guidance or his um, presumably higher, more mature perspective, uh, which is, he said, your master happened to come because it was his time. He happened to leave because things follow along. If you're content with the time, and willing to follow along, then grief and joy have no doubt to enter in. In the old days, this was freed, called being freed from the bonds of God. So they're gods as heaven. Bonds meaning fate. 
meaning a somewhat determined course of life that that um, has certain elements you cannot change, which includes, you know, karmic return, <laughs> for sure, or unpleasant, dukkha, the karmic return of forms of dukkha. So <clears throat> the that that's perhaps what he means by the bonds of God or heaven. Freed from those bonds comes from the perspective on life lived by the Taoist or the Zhenren, which is, then, contentment with the time and willing to follow along. And so you're not stuck in grief and joy or joy and sorrow, not a proper renunciation, you know, right vairagya, right renunciation, detachment, uh, leads to a greater freedom from grief and sorrow or the non-arising eventually of grief and sorrow. And that's being freed from bonds of God or heaven. And the bonds are associated with the fact that we really do have to experience certain things that we don't like. We created them, co-created them. Um, they serve some higher educational, soul, evolutionary purpose um, to the degree that we make good use of them. And yet we can be free from them to some degree. It's like it's sometimes it's akin to the phrase uh, "awaken the dream." Three D space time is a dream, yet one can awake in it. And you know there are levels of this. So awakening doesn't equal complete and perfect enlightenment. It just increase in means some degree of expanded awareness. And because many people don't like thinking too too hard here, awakening is seen as a one shot deal. No, there are levels of awakening. Yeah, and no, you can say there are no levels, all is one. But there's a difference between higher self and you in time and space. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between the one who was not surprised and the one who was surprised <laughs> when something arose. The one who was surprised didn't know pre before, and the one who wasn't surprised did know. That's called a level, even though it's empty. And so, and I'm not talking to... You guys are all understanding that, I think, right now, that there is differentiation and therefore relative right and wrong and up and down and better and worse and higher and lower, and all is one, or um, from an absolute view, um, all those, all that is um, empty of, of substantiality and dreamlike, and so is this life, uh, but for as long as we're in the body, we will need to experience this 3D dream. We can be increasingly awake and well, but we're still going to be here until we're not here. And so we can be increasingly freed from the bonds of heaven, um, less subject to uh, whiplash between grief and joy, or joy and sorrow. The emotional um, uh, fluctuation should decrease and it's a sign of greater development that emotional de emotionalism decreases uh, as uh, equanimity increases so equanimity is critical critical um, and that leads to natural desirelessness or um, a natural non-arising of um, uh, certain some desires and a natural quietude of mind and and then a natural capacity to accept um, the unacceptable or to follow along wise, willingly, peacefully, without forcing. So content with the time and willing to follow along. 
uh, and that's um, very subtle. <laughs> so I'm going to have to end it here. Content with the time and willing to follow along. You might want to contemplate how that, from a multi-disciplinary, multi you know, <laughs> multiple traditions perspective, Buddhism, Vedanta, psycho psychology, raw material, Taoism, and personal experience, what that means. Um, absolutely, sometimes we have to take a stand and say no and not follow along. Uh, in other ways, we, we have to. And I think the final quote here, which is very poignant, uh, sounding a lot like uh, Gautama asking, uh, being asked about where the Buddha goes after death, saying, if when the fire, uh, when the fire uh, goes out because no more sustenance, where does it go? <laughs> Was it a thing that can even go to a place? Where, where is it? <laughs> Unanswerable. Though the grease burns out of the torch, the fire passes on, and no one knows where it ends. No one knows where it ends. And so it's very, uh, very poignant. Let me just see something. And so the torch burns out, and, and this, is, this is a statement about Lao, Lao Tzu's death, or anyone's death, or the process of death. Um, the the life force goes or is no longer associated with this physical body. And that fire of um, conscious energy fields, right? What is a being? Beingness. The, be, the fire of the beingness with consciousness and multiple energy fields, energy bodies, passes on. And no one knows where it ends. It never ends. And that's why no one can know where. It can't be known. No one could know where it ends because it doesn't end. And so uh, the Taoist is very concerned with birth and death, <laughs> like a Buddhist. He's true, very concerned with birth and death, this great matter. And um, uh, I think this is um, very useful. <laughs> so anyway... I hope you enjoyed that. Next time we're going to start up in Chapter 4, In the World of Men. And uh, it's a longer chapter, so it'll take a couple of weeks. In any case, I hope that was useful for you. Uh, I hope you're well. Take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.